I'm Liam Printer and this is The Motivated Classroom. Hello, Falcha, welcome and bienvenue to the Motivated Classroom podcast. It is episode 37 today and thank you for staying with me despite the one week break over Easter that I just absolutely needed to take. I needed to get away from things after doing my Viva, my thesis defence for my doctorate, uh, which I passed. Woohoo! So that's great. Um, But I really needed a little break. So I appreciate you staying with me. I am back now. I'm back into the research and back about thinking about things to do with language teaching and motivation and today I want to talk to you about demotivation. Now that does sound a little bit strange right but I will explain exactly why quite soon. Of course first of all I need to start by thanking my amazing patrons and especially the new patrons of the Motivated Classroom podcast. Without you I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be in the studio, I wouldn't be editing and we wouldn't have the podcast so thank you so much for your support. Now of course we need to start with our Irish word for today and today it is a word which is couple or you could say on couple meaning the and then couple now again any idea does couple sound like anything to you well if you're a french speaker you might think cheval or a spanish speaker caballo and you're right it does mean horse now why am i sharing the word horse with you today well why not it's my podcast right <laughs> but also because in ireland we use the word horse as um, I suppose you could say a friendly term between usually between males um, who are friends and mates and we say to each other right horse how's things horse how are you horse well horse and often you know Irish speakers will chuck in the Irish word couple you know my friends would refer to me as horse and sometimes they would say well my couple how's things so there you go a little bit of Irish culture to start and that in between friend groups we might use the word horse to refer to each other in a kind way it is a nice thing to say to people it's usually a term of endearment so there you go and couple is the Irish word. Now, let's talk demotivation. So why should we talk about this in the first place? Well, I think it's really important to think about motivation, of course, but also what is demotivation and what do we need to do to ensure it doesn't happen? I think it was Dr. Chris Martin on Twitter who shared something about demotivation that really struck with me. And by the way, he will hopefully be on the podcast in the coming months talking about parental engagement and motivation that is soon to come. But I think he put something like this. What I don't want to do is be an active agent in student demotivation. That really struck a chord with me because even if we don't fully understand how to build intrinsic motivation or how to do it, at the very least, we should not be engaging in activities that we know are actively demotivating our students. Just think about that for a second. I don't want to demotivate them. So what is there activities I am engaging in in my classroom that the research says are demotivating? Well, I need to try and think carefully about whether those activities have a place in my class. So I thought that was really powerful. So here's a little bit of a summary about some of the research and what we do know about motivation and demotivation. So basically, educational research consistently finds that motivation is the key factor in young people achieving their potential and succeeding at school. Overall, not just in languages. Now, in the second language learning field or foreign language learning field or second language acquisition, however you want to call it, there is a real broad recognition of the central role of motivation. And there's actually been a massive surge of 
investigations and research into second language learning motivation in recent years. There's a study conducted by Boo and Al in 2015 that shows just how big of a surge there's been in research around motivation. And then Martin Lamb in 2017 also did a big review about motivational strategies and language learning and the research behind that. And there's huge amounts of it now. And it always makes me think of the Maya Angelou quote, which is when we know better, do better. As in, there's so much research out there now about motivation and language learning and demotivation that we have a responsibility to act on that as practitioners and not to just ignore it. In the past, maybe we could have argued there wasn't enough research there, but now there's so much of it, we, we need to act on it really. And one of the things that comes out is that when we improve students' foreign language learning experience, this has been found to increase uptake and retention of students in language courses. So Blanton talks about this in his thesis, also Murray and Wenk in their thesis as well. Now McKeown and Alu talks a lot about language learner motivation and emotions and positive emotions in the language classroom. They also highlight the dynamic link between foreign language retention so keeping studying foreign languages as we go through school and motivation. Finding, not surprisingly really, that more students want to continue studying the language if their motivation is of higher quality. Now, when we talk about higher quality motivation, we're really talking about intrinsic motivation, which is more long-term as opposed to extrinsic, which is more short-term, quick gains, rewards, coercion, pressure. I've talked about this a lot in the podcast in the past. If you're not sure about what I'm talking about, maybe you have a listen to episode one all about intrinsic motivation. Now, what's interesting is across various studies across the globe, we see that intrinsic forms of motivation tend to wane and decrease in general as students just go through secondary school. Now, it can be to do with their development. It can be to do with puberty. It can be to do with their identity. There's all sorts of things. But that is a general trend that we see across the globe, essentially. And we've just kind of come to accept it. But personally, I don't really accept that. I don't think that's OK, that we should just accept that students are going to get less and less motivated as they work their way through secondary school. That's, for me, just not good enough. And actually, we now have a lot of evidence. There's been repeated studies on motivation in the UK about foreign language learners and foreign language students. And it shows that they are particularly poorly motivated, as in more demotivated than students of other subjects. And we can see this in the Parish and Lanvers paper in 2018. So essentially, they enjoy their foreign language lessons less than other subjects, and they report feeling less engaged in foreign languages than their peers in other contexts. That's quite serious, isn't it, really? And look, I'm, I'm not trying to blame us or say it's all our fault, or I don't want you listening to this going, oh, no, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm sure you are doing amazing things in your classes. And the fact that you're listening to this means you're engaging in professional development and wanting to improve. So that's great. So please don't listen and go, oh, no, everything is lost. This is terrible. But an understanding of demotivation is important if we want to move on. I'm not trying to say that this all falls on our shoulders because there's many things that impact students' motivation, many external things. However, what is in our control is what happens inside the classroom. And the deterioration of this language learner motivation as students progress through adolescence. It's noted in other countries too. Oga Baldwin and Al have done extensive studies in Japan and in Asian contexts, and they see the same thing happening there. So what is it? What's going on here? Essentially, to me, this says something has to change. We can't just keep going through and accepting that what we are doing in our classrooms is demotivating students 
and they're more demotivated in our language class than they are in other classes. What's going on there? And it's like that Einstein quote, I think he says, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We got to try and change or do something different to try and work with this and think about it. And, and I think that's really important. But first of all, let's let's think about what is demotivation and, and what exactly is a motivation? Because we hear about both of these terms in the research. So Dornay and Ushida, who are two big names in language learner motivation, they define a demotivated learner as someone who was once motivated, but has lost their commitment for some reason. So it's important to think about. They were motivated at some stage, but they've lost it. And that's a demotivated learner. And I typically would see this in my students around the age of 15 and 16. They're really motivated, enthusiastic. They're full of love for learning at the age of 11, 12, 13. And then there's a lot of bodily changes that go on. There's a lot of societal changes that happen. They're much more in touch with their identity and how they are perceived by other people. And they start to show less motivation in class. But then it can come back up again later. Now, I am not willing to accept that is just down to adolescence and puberty and all the things we go through at that age. I need to think about trying to come up with ways to motivate those learners as best I can so that they don't leave my language class and go somewhere else. That's my job, in my opinion. And actually, just to share a little anecdote with you here, I have one class right now. It's my year 10. So for those listening from around the world, these students are about the age of 15. They're in their third year of studying Spanish. Some of them with me, some of them have been with other teachers. And it's often at this age group that I see this particular demotivation start to happen. There's a real apathy. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to share anything anymore. And it really gets to me. Because I'm like, well, what's going on here? I've got a doctorate in motivation. I can't motivate these students. What is happening? So if you're listening, thinking, oh, I recognize this too. Well, I'm with you and I'm the one who's done a doctorate in this. So surely I should be able to do it, right? It's not easy. So I, I do feedback service with my students quite regularly. And, and I wanted to find out what was going on. And I asked some of the students, you know, just how they felt in the class and their motivation and what was helping them. And they all mostly came back with really positive stuff. Well, we really enjoy the class. It's great. Learning loads, really motivated. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Like, you look so disinterested. But really, it can be that age group. And behind the eyes, the cognitive engagement can still be there. They're just not showing it outwardly as much as possible, as much as they want to, really. And I saw this in my thesis as well, that some students will actively fight engagement and motivation in order to fit in with the group. And we see this across the research. So don't be too hard on yourself if it's not working for you and you're thinking, oh, whatever I do is not happening. Talk to the students, get their feedback, and maybe they are more motivated than you think they are. So that's demotivation, someone who was once motivated but has lost their commitment for some reason. Now, that differs slightly to a motivation, which Ryan and Desi talk about in self-determination theory. And this refers more closely to a lack of motivation or a learner simply not seeing the point in an activity or feeling like it is beyond them, as Dornay and Ushida talk about. So that's slightly different. It's someone who is coming into the class and they just have a general lack of motivation. They don't see the point and they feel it's just beyond me. I can't do this. Linking closely to that basic psychological need of competence. Now, at this point, as I've said previously, it's really important to know and to be aware that many sources of demotivation can be external to your control. 
such as high stakes testing, availability of resources, situational factors, what's going on at home, what argument they had with their boyfriend or girlfriend that morning, if their pet is sick, whatever. There's lots of stuff going on there. However, teacher behaviours are perceived as fundamental to students' demotivation like absolutely critical. And this comes out in the research by Dornay and Ushida, as well as many others. Fallout and Maruyama's 2004 study actually clearly identifies teachers and their practices as the central source of demotivation for foreign language learners. No major surprise there. Over decades of research, we consistently see that the teacher, their activities, their choices, their personality, the way they do things in class, if they are autonomy supportive or if they are autonomy suppressive, have a huge impact on students' motivation in all subjects. So teachers, the activities they use, their teaching style, these are regularly identified as the central component in foreign language demotivation in the research. And students themselves in the studies where they are asked about their perceptions, they highlight the overemphasis on grammar and worksheets in particular, as well as teachers being overly controlling as the key sources for their disengagement and boredom in foreign language classes, which then lead to overall lower motivation. Now, I saw this in my 2019 study, uh, which is published in the Language Learner Journal. And Martin Lamb talks about this a lot in his review of the motivational research in 2017. Now, what's quite difficult for me is, despite the evidence that activities of this nature fail to compel young learners, resulting in boredom, disengagement and demotivation. And I'm talking here about lots of grammar worksheets, high stakes testing, these type of activities where we're really talking about precision at the early ages. Even though we know, you know in adverted commas, in social science we can never know something, but we can be quite sure from the research that this is a demotivating impact, particularly on younger students. They continue to hold the primary foothold in foreign language classrooms across the globe in almost all contexts. Why? Why is this the case? A lot of it comes down to previous episodes, which I talked about in our deeply held language learner beliefs and how we think languages are taught and acquired and what the way it should be done according to the way we were taught. And actually, when you read about second language acquisition, there is a lot of talk about the importance of precision and accuracy and grammar. And I'm not trying to say they're not important if that is the goal, to have perfect writing and perfect speech with no errors. But the fact remains, when you ask students, particularly the younger students, aged 10 to 15, if they enjoy these precise activities of grammar and fill the gap exercise and completing verb tables, they don't. They don't find them engaging. They don't find them motivating. Some of you are listening going, hold on a minute. Some of my students do. And you're right. Some of them do, but not most. There are a small amount of them, people like you and me, the people who are listening to this, who are linguists who love that stuff. I could talk about grammar all day and, and verb endings. I love it. But most students are not there. So we need to do something differently, particularly at the younger first two to three levels of our language classes. Now, all hope is not lost. The fact that you are here listening to the Motivated Classroom podcast means you get it. You've seen demotivation. You want to combat those deeply held beliefs, which is wonderful. You're listening to this podcast. You've taken the time to download it. You've shared it with friends. You've told people about it. That means you get it. You realize I need to try and be an active engagement in motivation 
and at the very least not actively demotivate my students with the activities that I'm doing regardless of the high stakes tests and what the curriculum tells me I need to do there's different ways for me to play the game and interestingly what I want to talk to you now about is some of these big demotivating activities so that you can think about them and decide do I need to put this into my class or not so Martin Lamb's 2017 review of the research in language learner motivation. He talks a lot about these demotivating strategies and what they are. And in that paper, he says that a review of the research suggests that success in language learning is partly determined by learners' motivation, with 18 to 33% of the variation in achievement. And the teacher is an important influence on that motivation. So let's just stop and think about that. Somewhere between a fifth and a third of the achievement that our language learners get or have or succeed with comes down to motivation, depending on the student. That's huge. That is massive. And the teacher and what we do is an important influence, if not the most important influence on that. And it goes on really to surmise and talk about the fact that if we know this is so important, then it's really reasonable to argue that the motivational dimension of language learning and language acquisition and language teaching should be a core essential component in all training courses for language teachers, all initial teacher education. But ask yourself, is it? When you trained to be a language teacher, was there a module or a unit or was it continually running through the course an understanding of intrinsic motivation? What is it? How to build it? Had you ever heard about the theories of motivation? Had you heard about the L2 MSS? Maybe you did. I don't think I did. Personally, I can't remember learning much about motivation and how to motivate students in the classroom. I remember learning lots about how to teach grammar and lots about language acquisition and how it works and how the brain works and the proximal zone of development and cognition. And these are all incredibly important things. But if motivation accounts for a fifth to a third of achievement, then really we should be learning about it in initial teacher education. So I want to share with you now some of these demotivating strategies from the research on motivation as reviewed by Martin Lamb. He reviewed hundreds and hundreds of papers about language learner motivation and motivating strategies, not just motivation. Motivation being something that comes from within and motivating things that we find motivating within the classroom, particular strategies. And these are contexts from all over the world, from all different places. He's got things from Vietnam, from China, from the US, from Japan. And these strategies pulled together, these are essentially the most demotivating aspects of language classroom teaching. So the first one is being too controlling, therefore diminishing learners' sense of control over class events. I talk a lot about this in autonomy supportive teaching. I think it's episode three or four where we talk about how we build autonomy and not being controlling or suppressing learners' autonomy. That's huge. Now, next is closely linked to this. It's exercising too little control, having no classroom management, no routines and just letting anything happen. So in most classrooms, that's really important. So there's that fine balance. We want to be autonomy supportive, but not really controlling but routines and classroom practices are very important in that. So again, there's a previous episode on classroom management if you're more interested in that. The next one is simply not appearing friendly or approachable. Now, in my experience, most language teachers are excellent at being friendly and approachable. It's very rare that I see or talk to a language teacher who's not friendly or approachable. We are communicators. We like to do this. So I think most of us have got that one down, but it's hugely important. 
teachers really need to show care and love and warmth for their students, all students, even those students who don't act in the way that you want them to. That's hugely important for the students not to feel like they are demotivated in your class. Next is providing monotonous learning activities. For example, grammar translation activities. This comes out over and over and over again. There's no autonomy. There's just a monotony of exercise. Fill in these gaps, fill in these worksheets, hand it in to me at the end of class. I'm not saying they don't have a place. They can have a place. And next week, I'm going to talk a lot about how I go about teaching grammar and what what do I do? Because of course I teach it. But I think I try to do it in a different way than I used to do when I started teaching. Next is giving overcorrective written feedback or overly negative feedback. A lot of us are guilty of this. And I talked about this recently about writing and assessment. If you correct too many errors on the page, this is really demotivating for students. Think carefully. Just take one or two of the major errors and glide over the rest. You, you don't need to highlight every single tiny error because the research shows us that this does not help. Just pick one or two of the major ones, focus on them, and that is the goals for the next time. The next one he talks about is neglecting learners' broader identity as people. And again, this comes down to bringing students' ownership and self of direction into the classroom, learning about them, their passions, what is it they like. I talk a lot about this in the episode, that great strategy of the simple thing of three things on a card, just an instrument, an animal, a hobby. And you can bring in that into your next story, into the way that you're doing the class, into your next reading. But if we completely neglect who they are and make them leave their identity at the door and just talk to them about the target culture and talk to them about Pierre in France and his baguette, and we never talk to them about what interests them and why they're here and their passions and linking that to the culture then we're losing them immediately. They're going to be very demotivated. We need to include their personalities and their passions in what we teach. As Diane talked about in last week's episode, allowing the students to be active members of the class and provide things to talk about using their imagination, their creativity, not particularly always following the textbook, but allowing the lesson to come from them. Yeah, they might share it with you in their first language or in English, and you can turn it around and bring it into the target language and talk about these things. That is putting them at the centre. If you want to learn a bit more about doing this, listen to the episode on the special person interview. It's, It's a brilliant way to get them and their passions into the class. The next one Martin Lamb talks about is neglecting learners' goals and their preferences, their methodological preferences. So we're not talking about learning styles here, really, what, because they have largely been debunked in the research at this stage. What we are talking about is their goals. Where do they want to get to? And trying to talk to them about being linguists, saying you're linguists and I want you to leave here as fluent speakers of the language. That's my goal for you or whatever it may be, making sure they know those goals. Next in the demotivating aspects of language classroom teaching is not establishing appropriate boundaries for teacher and student relationships. This is really important. While we want to be friendly and warm and caring, there is still a boundary there between teacher and student. So that's quite important to make sure that they are there if you want to continue to be motivating in your classroom. And finally, is one that is, I think, quite important to me, is not demonstrating mastery of the subject. So if the teacher does not show that they are very comfortable with the language, that they know the language quite well, this does come across as demotivating for the student. Now, I 
am Irish, but I teach Spanish and French. They are not my native tongues. I have to continuously work on these to make sure that I feel comfortable enough in the classroom because I know it's an important part of motivation. If my students feel like I am not comfortable in the language or I keep going into English to explain things, then I'm going to lose a little bit of their motivation according to the research. So I need to keep up to date with my Spanish. I need to go to Spanish-speaking countries, watch Spanish-speaking TV. I need to read Spanish books and I try and do that as much as I can. Now, we always will have a bit of imposter syndrome and it is absolutely okay to make mistakes now and again. But we do need to demonstrate to our students that we do provide a mastery over the subject. So that's a really important one for us as well. So I hope that explains a little bit about demotivation and its role and the importance of it in our classroom. And I go back to what Chris Martin said, which is at the very least, we don't want to demotivate our students. At the very least, we need to think about, am I doing activities in the class that the research tells me is demotivating? If I am, can I change those a little bit? Is there a different way to do things? And again, please don't listen to this and think, oh my gosh, I have to change everything I do. I'm really overwhelmed. Just change one small thing. If you listen to this and you thought, oh, yeah, I do that activity that, oh, according to the research, it is a bit demotivating. Just change one thing. Don't change everything. You know, it's like that day your students, when you've been away in a conference or something and you come back and you go, right, we're going to do everything differently here. And the students are like, oh, here she is. She's been away at a conference again. So, no, we don't want to change everything. Just take one small thing, throw it out and try and replace it with something new and build slowly so that it's not overwhelming for you. Do keep a lot of those other activities, even if you're thinking, oh, this isn't the best way to do it. I'll change it next year, but try and change something. So there we go. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all my patrons. Please head on over to The Motivated Classroom on Patreon.com if you'd like to become a patron and support the podcast. I would really appreciate it. And if you think you'd get me a coffee or a bag of crisps once a month to say thank you for these four episodes a month, I would really appreciate it. Our Irish word for today, of course, was couple, which means horse. And it's like when I talk to my friends and I say, all right, horse, how's things? That is a term of endearment in Ireland, some Irish culture for you as well. Next week, I will be talking about grammar and how I go about teaching grammar in the language classroom. The Motivated Classroom podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer, The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow The Motivated Classroom podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.